Our Notes. Thank you. Our it's a collaborative document. Our Notes. Did I say my notes? Oh, my sincerest apologies. I see. Welcome back to another <laughs> Zengineering podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm Adam. Thank you. I'm Brian. Uh, Brian, I wasn't welcoming you. I was welcoming the listeners. Sometimes I like to think that you're you welcoming me. You have to be me. here. <laughs> I have to be here? <laughs> yeah, you do. Because I can't just, I don't, no one wants to listen to me talk. That's not true, buddy. You do a great job by yourself, but I won't make you do oh, that. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I would never, I would never, an episode that was just me by myself would never come out. I would just keep listening. I would keep listening to it and going, no, no, got to try that again. Out. Reasonable. Uh, so hit list, hit list episode. Hit lists. All right. Hitting the hit list of random stuff. We were like, hey, that's interesting. And then mostly forgot what it was by the time we get to the list here now. Oh, not today though. We've got we've got two good ones that uh Well this this first one is one that I was like, stop talking about that. Do it on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, the first one is Wikipedia and its appearance in search results, which we've sort of covered why that happens on a Wikipedia. podcast. Wikipedia. That's true. We did to cover that. But more comical is your reaction to its appearance on top of <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I remember a day not too long ago, uh, a time, excuse me, not a day, a long period, when everyone around me used to complain that Wikipedia was the top search result for everything. And now the world's kind of gotten used to it. And I think almost everyone has accepted that it's just a great resource full of all the information you want whenever you search for things that result in it being at the top of your results. But... I still am generally inclined to check out the thing that shows up under Wikipedia. I just did it. <laughs> as the answer to my query. I do the same thing that you do. And I don't know why. Because the answer that I'm looking for is on Wikipedia. It was. Google's right. That's the place that has the answer. It is right. And it does have the answer. We just went through this. We were looking up one of the hit list topics that we'll get to in a minute. Uh, and... I foolishly clicked on the second result and I got there and there were paragraphs of some person just talking and, and there was ads. And I was like, God, why didn't I just click on Wikipedia? Didn't. It was like someone else's opinion about the thing that you wanted to know about, which is nice. It's good that it's out there, but it doesn't serve your purpose of just getting some information, like encyclopedia raw information about the, the thing you wanted to know about. And so I went back to the search results and I went to the Wikipedia results wasting seconds of my life and the first section of the Wikipedia article was over my head so I scrolled a little further and there was a summary of the first section which was perfect and then we were set and you're finished which is funny because <laughs> a lot of those voice activated like Siri Google now like they'll end up returning Wikipedia results and so sometimes I don't use them but as you explain this, I'm like, you know, I should use Siri for more stuff because it's bringing up the Wikipedia page and that has the answer I'm looking for. And now it'll even read you the Wikipedia page. You can just say, read that to me. and it'll. Oh, that's fun. Isn't that great? We looked at doing that as as sort of like a, a potential podcast like type of episode is picking Wikipedia articles and reading them. Um, well, because which... they have a they have a, a whole program where people that have the time and the hardware we have the hardware, but not the time, unfortunately. Time, like, time, time. You... There's not enough. 
Ah, all the clocks, uh, they keep on can, ticking. You get all the clocks. <laughs> they uh you you can record you can record yourself reading uh like if you go to a very popular Wikipedia article, you'll probably see a little speaker in the upper right hand corner, and that will just play you a file that someone else submitted. The same way all of Wikipedia is edited, that someone was like, "Hey, I can do this." Read that out so that, like the, like blind people or just people in their car can still consume a Wikipedia article. Totally. They're not really made for just consuming like that. I find though, you know, I used to have an article called or, or an app called Wikipanion, which would let me like queue up Wikipedia articles, and I I was really. I found I rarely like read all the way through, partly because you're just bouncing around. There's so much good information in there. You get like four sentences into an article. It's like, oh, I got to click on that thing. (laughs) And then you read 10 sentences of that. You're like, whoa, this thing's even more interesting. And then you're lost in Wikipedia, which is a great place to get lost. Um, Yeah. One thing I want to say about Wikipedia, two things, two things I want to say about Wikipedia. Yes, anyone can edit it. However, there are incredible... Uh, functions of the site that prevent you from making really dumb edits. There are layers and layers of automation that look for spam and remove it. And then there are thousands and maybe tens of thousands of editors around the world that have risen up through ranks and hold uh, volunteer positions with Wikipedia where they control the quality. Uh, And second, if you look down at the bottom of any Wikipedia article these days, maybe not any, but almost any popular, any large article, you will see dozens, if not hundreds of citations uh, to magazines and books and other encyclopedias. And I just, as a resource for information, I just, there is absolutely nothing on earth that comes even close as far as I'm concerned, uh, just for general research purposes. Well, the other interesting <sighs> thing is like, so you just, you just talked through a bunch of tech stuff <laughs> that's really like that keeps it that keeps the the product or whatever you want to call it the database you know the data uh, it's all about the data effect, effective as an encyclopedia but also like a, sim- a system that functions like that as long as you have three people that want it to be good for everyone bad that wants to try to wreck it and not take it seriously you're fine mm-hmm. um, the second that those three go away the whole thing would fall apart anyway but as long as you have an offset of more people that are willing to go, nope, and fix the thing that the crazy guy tries to screw up, then the system, you know, holds together. And so the fact that Wikipedia is as good as it is, is sort of a testament to human nature that should make you feel good about the world. That's a great spin on it. I really <laughs> like that. You know, it persists because there are more good people than bad people. And as long as that's the way of the world, you know, generally will be okay. I use Wikipedia... Uh, I would say almost every single day, if not many times every day. And I try to donate every year when they have their annual fund. I was going to say that takes me to a note that's kind of like you should think about giving them money because it yeah. takes money to run this thing. Yep. And they don't run ads. Very which purposefully. Is part of the reason. They're one of the largest websites uh, in the world. They would make, uh, I am making this number up, but I do, we both have some experience here. I would guess tens, if not hundreds, if not billions of dollars a year on advertising, um, which sometimes I think is dumb that they don't. But at the same time, it's very noble that they maintain the system. And I think they operated for like three to $5 million a year. They have minimal staff. They have It's incredibly efficient as a technical resource. They run... It's very well run in terms of uh, efficiency and cost. But it takes money and it's, it's a 
non-profit or not-for-profit or whatever name social good it's great whatever they call it yeah i get i'm getting little chills right now just talking about wikipedia it's amazing it absolutely (laughs) blows my mind nothing like this existed as a child it's super it's super cool uh this is one of those you should check out um there's a book called here comes everybody by clay shirky who's also got some awesome ted talks aiken it taught shirky clay shirky although clay aiken (laughs) sang the book I would probably download that to listen to it also. Uh, but it's all about like Wikipedia and how it functions and cool. why it works and, and cool stuff like that. So that's one to, I, I would say we'd put up a link to it, but that takes time. Just Google it. Search for Wikipedia. It'll probably come <laughs> up. <laughs> right. Um, uh, sweet. So the moral of that, that nugget, that hit, go respect Wikipedia. <laughs> or else we'll break your knuckles. and give them your money (laughs) give them your money you jerks mic drop oh good uh so tell me about what you were going to what you were going to wiki what not not deliberately what you went to google (laughs) and then to wikipedia i searched on www.google.com for the uh phrase kardashev scale and that's what took us down this pipe and we're like oh we should talk about wikipedia um but it's interesting because they're they're tied together to me because the wick like what I was just saying about good people outnumbering bad in order to solve bigger yeah. problems and do things like the Wikipedia is how you progress along the Kardashev Ooh, scale. Such a strong segue. Bam. Boom. I almost <laughs> don't want to talk about it because we just blew it up. Psych. I really. <laughs> well, no. Talk now we have it. to explain it. Otherwise, that does that only makes sense to us right now. And any other listener who already <laughs> understands the Kardashev scale, which if you want to learn about it in a way that's probably more compelling than us two doofuses trying to explain it to you, uh, Neil Blomkamp, yeah, the guy that video. made District 9, has an awesome TED Director, talk right? video thing where he talks about the progression of culture Ted, into TEDx the universe Canada, and Kardashev maybe? scales and something like Vancouver, Vancouver? TEDx Vancouver. Yeah. Look at you, but you can Google that, and I won't. I won't be. Don't know, go to Wikipedia for that because they won't have the no. video. Damn, no. that negates our whole previous segment. <sighs> He'll probably come up first. I guess we should just wrap this one up. Then. <laughs> so, what's the Kardashev scale? <laughs> See you next week. So, the Kardashev scale. <laughs> I don't know where it comes from. You could read that from the Wikipedia article because you. I'll have fill it open, in. Right? I'll fill it's in named the for a guy. Something something Kardashev. Nikolai Kardashev, Nikolai Soviet Kardashev. astronomer in 1964. And it's a way of conceptualizing the degree to which a race or society, culture, like whatever subset of humans, civilization. Right, that's a better word. How advanced they are. Um. And it's really interesting because it carries forward. It's not necessarily based on the idea of like how much territory do they occupy, although I guess in a sense it is, but it's not really like break down the scale. It's uh, I think generally it's based on like energy consumption and forms of energy production and consumption. And so type one and in that way, efficiency. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like uh, power, you know, like like uh, ability to do stuff. Um, and so a type one, there, there are three, there are three scales. There's type one, type two, and type three, and they're, they're civilizations, a type one civilization. Uh, we currently on earth are considered like a point 
eight or something. We're close. We're getting close to a type one. A type one is considered a civilization that is effectively using uh, all of the energy that they can harness on their on and from their planet. So like uh, it, it doesn't necessarily go to these extremes, but imagine like covering the surface of the earth in solar panels and consuming all of the radioactive material at nuclear plants and converting all the geothermal heat from the planet uh, into steam and turning turbines, like producing as much energy as you can f- with the unit, the thing that we're stuck on at the moment. Right, right. Which mostly like boils down to uh, this is back to our very first podcast ever. Still, the best way to do that is to figure out how to most effectively catch as much radiation as is hitting our planet from the sun. If we could utilize all of that, then then our energy needs would be taken care of and we could worry about other more advanced things. But one of the things that goes along with that is like, so on that scale, the like 0.7 to 8 to 9 to 1 transition is supposed to be the hardest out of all of it. Like one of the reasons, one of the theories, and this is what Blomkamp talks about in his video about why we haven't found extraterrestrials is just because no other civilization has managed to make the transition to type one yet because it involves a degree of cooperation and sort of like you really there can't you can't have a war on your planet at the same time that you solve the problems that need to be solved to roll over to a type one civilization yeah it's an interesting little philosophical bump that has to come along with type one conclusion right is cooperation uh global manufacturing and uh balancing of resources and and needs and at at a level of producing that much energy it's way more energy than we consume right now even i think if the whole population of earth was consuming as much energy as the united states does and i believe the united states consumes like two three ten times as much energy per capita as um like the average in the world if not like everywhere else and so then a Kardashev level two civilization is able to harness all of the energy produced by its star, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Of that solar system. And then I think star. three is harness the energy of your galaxy. Yeah. That one seems silly. <laughs> so where are we? Where is Star Trek the next generation? Oh, just because that's all I care about. I don't even think they're a type <laughs> one yet. Although you probably could say they are. Wikipedia has terms like antimatter, the use of antimatter, large scale application of fusion, fusion power. Um, you could probably that's type one. Yeah. Star Trek probably. Yeah, you so could say they're probably I think Star Trek is like 1.1. Yeah. And it, it's not necessarily like, oh, every square inch of the planet is covered with solar cells. It's just sort of a con. It's a conceptual construct. Right. To think the about idea of producing. Progressing. Like you could produce that much energy yeah. if you could also have a reaction right. the size of the sun that you harness. Well, it's an interesting uh, <laughs> way to look at. Even if you started it. It's, yeah. it's a neat way to look at where energy exists in the universe too because uh, even with all the power we produce on earth it's very small amounts of energy that we're producing compared to what potentially is there um if we when we master nuclear fusion uh which is not the type of nuclear energy we produce right now we do nuclear fission which is splitting atoms to get energy um or to produce heat uh nuclear fusion is how the sun works and so that is a uh, much more efficient conversion of matter 
um, or that's not even, yeah, I guess you're converting the matter. Uh, it's a much more efficient production of energy. And so the sun is freaking huge and the whole thing is generating energy. So it is the biggest power plant uh, in in our local space. Um, and so this brings up some, uh, there's been some stuff in the news recently because nerds are always trying to look for, like they want this stuff to be found. We want to find uh, other civilizations. <laughs> we want to find so, a type one point. Dyson, there's a thing called a Dyson sphere, uh, which is the idea of like building a structure that wraps your star so that you actually capture energy coming off of the star. Because um, we don't really know how to convert. The sun is producing a lot of energy and like a nuclear power plant produces a lot of energy, but we don't actually have a way to take like the nuclear reaction and do useful things with it. We use the nuclear reaction to generate steam and spin a turbine, which generates electricity, with which lets us flow electrons, which then lets us run lights and computers and stuff. So we'd have we can't like use the sun directly for any any good purpose. So you wrap it in this huge structure, and then you capture uh, wrap it in solar panels. Basically, I mean, in one wrap conceptual the star matter, in solar panels, the whole star. And then you like. And what's live interesting that is that that would block the light from the star. Yeah. And so, the way that we we've talked about this before, like the way that we look at planets that are far away, and like when NASA announced they found a planet with this composition, they're all just looking with telescopes at the way that light reacts. And every once in a while, these days, they catch a thing that's like, well, that has a predictable wobble in it. That's weird. That doesn't comport with stuff that we see in nature. And the first thing every nerd in the world does is go, it's a Dyson Sphere. (laughs) (laughs) It's a Dyson Swarm. Or it's a Dyson. What's the the video game Halo is like what it would look like under construction. Rather than a whole sphere, it's like a ring that wraps a star. You could do a lot with just a ring around your star or even just your planet. I mean, your planet Um, is a form of that, right? It's it's a it's a big chunk that floats out in space and orbits and absorbs and all the energy at some... from the star. Yeah, it really, it really is. It's a, it's an early, it's, it's, uh, well, that's what I was going to say before that was, was interesting. Is like you, the difference in energy generation that I don't feel like they talk about when they talk about clean energy versus the alternatives right. is like, unless other than capturing the wind or capturing solar energy and repurposing that, Every other way that we produce energy is by somehow unlocking energy already stored in whatever we're burning, whatever we're smashing together, whatever we're, you know, hydroelectric, I guess, is not that either. So there's so clean energy is like it's clean, at least in the sense that they talk about, because you're just pulling. It's like you're. I feel I lost it. Like you're nabbing kinetic you're energy from something that's already moving, whether it's protons, well, photons, water, air. Like you're just you're using it to grab some of the energy right. off of that thing versus I'm going to burn you, break your chemical bonds, produce a bunch of byproducts, but also get some heat out of it that I can use to. Well, I think where you maybe are heading with this that's interesting is clean energy is only clean at the levels we're currently using it. Like uh, if you, if there was only one coal power plant in the world, there wouldn't be a problem. No one would know that there's an issue. There wouldn't really be pollution. The atmosphere could handle it. Uh, say we took, uh, 
instance. Take solar, for instance. If we started using solar energy at a level where we were blocking out significant parts of the planet to capture the sunlight, you're going to kill stuff on the planet. We wouldn't have food to right. eat. If we built a dam in every single river on Earth, we break the ecosystem. Water doesn't flow. If we put pumps, if we put enough windmills up in the air that capture enough wind and start to mess up the actual flow of air around the planet patterns we ruin stuff again and so it's only a scale it's not really that those things are better long term we're going to run into these same problems again uh at some point and have to tackle the same issues and that's when you'll have to move again and you'll say whoa shit we've messed up our weather patterns because we have these huge fans floating in the atmosphere shoot no one saw this coming global warming or some equivalent big problem whatever it's going to be you know stagnant air it's (laughs) a the stale (laughs) earth problem (laughs) stale earth i miss the wind mother mother tell me about when it used to be windy uh but like so the question is uh, in terms of that progression and the scale now never mind how fast we might move toward it but how much bigger would the problem have to get like our how much bigger would our consumption need to be than it is compared to us using fossil fuels like what it took to run out of fossil fuels versus what it would then take to run out of the the clean sources like would we get more time out of the clean stuff before we hit peak clean energy and have to start figuring out i don't personally think that solar and wind and geothermal will ever be uh mass produced really because i think we'll figure out nuclear fusion first and the amount of energy uh look think about a nuclear bomb they the big nuclear bombs work with nuclear fusion there's so much energy and fusing matter together to to generate energy that once we master nuclear fusion again how the sun works we don't need those other forms of energy we'll have we'll have essentially unlimited energy at least in our current state for the amount of energy we consume now for what we could produce with big fusion plants i think i'm i might sound like i need someone who's a fusion engineer but um look it'll um, just dwarf everything I'm sorry else. i'm sorry but i gotta i gotta i gotta bring up star trek again isn't that, the, <laughs> <laughs> isn't that thanks for apologizing i didn't know where you were going with that it's like isn't oh, what that you say isn't that kind of like the the you know included in how the replicator works is about like we once we figured out how to freely manipulate matter on the nuclear level we, we could do whatever we wanted um that makes sense to me i mean nuclear fusion uh is really really hard it involves uh manipulating matter at a very low level and controlling it and floating it in sp- like nuclear fusion reactors actually like levitate matter that's hotter than the sun inside of this thing because it's too hot it can't touch things it can't be like sitting in a cup it would melt the cup um but uh yeah the replicator that it's it is we're getting to the point where we at some point, we'll be able to manipulate uh, the atomic structure effectively and engineer things at that level. We'll be able to nuclear fusion actually lets you turn uh, lead to gold. No, it doesn't. It does not. <laughs> we will not be able to turn lead to gold yet. Um, but uh, but that's about what we talked about in the first episode, right? right? That's only because you, We're not there you yet. could create it with fission, but not fusion. One's additive, one it takes stuff away, right? right? So because of where they are on the periodic table, you can't turn lead into gold. Because lead's uh you if you were to progress down the table, you get to gold before you get to lead. You've already given up your chance at being gold by the time that you're lead. 
Is that correct? I, have uh, I don't know where they both sit on the enough. on the periodic table, but something like that, right? You you right. the way uh, the way <laughs> nuclear fusion and nuclear fission work, they they change matter, they physically change atomic structures, and we will uh, as a civilization gain that ability. I think, like I, I just look at history, and there's nothing that's ever happened scientifically uh, that didn't blow the minds of the people that came before it happened, and so I think everything we can imagine will eventually figure out. So. Uh, we will eventually be manipulating things at the atomic structure, which then means, right, we can, our building blocks, our raw materials won't be like boards and bricks and concrete. It will be uh, electrons and protons and neutrons, which then can become anything we want. They can, poof, here's a hat, poof, here's a cheeseburger, poof, here's a gold bar. You know, it's, it's tea, a whole different Earl world. Gray. <laughs> tea, Earl Grey. Hot. Tea, Earl Grey. <laughs> Do it with an accent. Do it with an accent. I don't think I can do his accent. I can't either. T. L. Gray. T. L. Gray. Hot. Computer. Hot. That, <laughs> yes, you have to. It's the gravitas. <laughs> uh, well, so here's a here's a segue into something that's not on the list, but I thought of the other day. Oh, yeah. Should have gone on the list. Um, and we're gonna have to fight hard not to descend into a half hour tirade. Uh, but it. So I never realized that. In terms of labeling GMOs, yeah. which is like a popular thing to argue about right now. Everybody hates on all that, GMOs. So all that you need to label are things that are what I think they call transgenic developments. Transgenic so GMOs. Of, I don't like them. So that's so that's when they take the DNA of whatever the thing there is they're dealing with and they deliberately inject a gene that they know will have a certain effect. You have to label that. Right. There's another process that's been developed and they've used for a long, long time that can get the same result and doesn't require you to label it. Is it, it called and that growing plants? Fine. <laughs> Is it called breeding well, plants? It's called, <laughs> it's called mutagenic, in which case you just blast a plant with radiation oh. over and over until the mutation that you want is caused by that radiation probably along with a whole bunch of other bullshit oh so you grow plants in the sun and then the radiation causes mutations and then the changes in the plants and you right. pick the ones that you want and then grow those so natural Basically, selection <laughs> right it's another way of advancing natural selection but it's by growing a plant in a microwave instead yeah um and that's okay you don't have to label that of course i feel like that would disturb the gmo folks just the same what if they knew that that was what okay doesn't disturb the gmo folks yeah oh we're, we're descending down that path no, exactly. That's the path we have to avoid. But the, what you were talking about is a really interesting thing, right? So maybe the mutagenic thing is not such a bad deal because you're right. We're just replicating the sun's radiation hitting right. a thing and possibly causing a mutation. It's all potentially dangerous. And so the article where I saw this posted was really interesting and relevant to what we were talking about in our quantum computing mm -hmm. episode, which is part of the struggle here is it's really hard to wrap your head around the idea that DNA is digital yeah like you can splice a chunk in and know exactly what it's gonna do and right. like yeah we're starting to like be it, in that place right it can be studied on this level of of like when you think of it as digital and you think of the system of dnas i mean it's really really complicated but it's code right and it causes other things to respond a certain way and then so if you chase it far enough down or you're working with the right stuff that we've studied enough, you can know exactly what a gene splice is going to cause uh, to have happen. The same way that you know 
what dropping another piece of code into a computer right. program is going to do. It's very neat. I mean, it's similar to what we were just talking about. Instead of being at the atomic structure, though, we're doing molecular level manipulation now. And we do it at a at a scale where, right, we, we can predict things that are going to happen. We can inject a little piece of DNA and make things glow. It's, it's incredible. Um, it's scary for people because of a lot of things. One reason we don't know what all the code does. We don't actually really know how your DNA makes your body know to grow fingers like that. Just sort we can like fuck with that and make you maybe grow webbed fingers. Uh, but we don't really know how it's all encoded. We don't really understand all the software. Um, but we understand enough that we can start to do things and that scares people big time. And it, it should, it should scare people. I think it scares people because you're talking about the same thing that that like cancer is a spontaneous mutation that is not in favor of the organism's survival. Right. But Most... we have studied the shit out of cancer because we're so afraid of it. Right. And so when somebody like, you know, rel- like can say that reliably over 25 years of use, this genetically modified plant has never caused a negative impact in the direction you're worried about, which is its mutation is going to rub off on me and I'm going to get cancer from it. You're going to be like uh, pesticide resistant. Right. Like <laughs> that, that doesn't happen and it's never happened. And so now with a great deal of certainty, we can say that corn harmless, the systems that we have to deal with bad food can handle whatever is different in that corn. And it doesn't affect us. Right. Um, but it's scary because it's the you know like that same mutation system that same digital like when the digital when that digital system breaks down it doesn't work right so the idea that you apply the exact same process in a different way and we get beneficial results is like nah i don't know totally i don't know about that it's a scary space i mean there's sounds like that comes with some risk there are just so many things that show up at this space (laughs) i mean it just has bigger implications i mean there's certainly they're huge economic implications they're huge uh larger like ecosystem implications um and then then there's the bigger philosophical concepts that come along with if we're genetically modifying our food we are kind of in a way uh starting to affect ourselves whether or not there are genetic modifications as a result of that in humans like we're to a point now where you can't help but think oh well just around the corner is designer babies and breeding people with wings and people with laser eyes and magic and all of the great stuff I've wanted humans to have my whole life. <laughs> so <And> magic. That's <laughs> my favorite part. Did I say magic? <laughs> and that fits with the like Marvel Cinematic Universe like version of Thor, which is he's like, well, to us, it is science. Yeah. Is that, <laughs> like, is that what he says? Something like that. He's got great hair. He does. He's got great everything. <laughs> Damn. Um, it's true. He does. That's 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 why I have this here. Oh, that's a little my my Borg my Jean-Luc Jean-Luc card. <laughs> What is that card? What is that that like style of character that the you just pop, held up? Pop vinyl. Pop vinyl. Locutus yeah, of Borg. Locutus of Borg. Wow. To remind remind me that resistance is futile. My answer to being afraid of that stuff is: What good is it going to do? Yeah, uh, this that's the direction we're going anyway. You might as well embrace it and learn about it and try to figure out how, you know, I guess that's all anyone's flailing toward anyway. Is yeah. how, should I, how do I behave in the world where this stuff is happening? Yeah. How do I feel? But here's the thing, right? Safe. So like the GMO thing, you're like, OK, so they allow us to do like so modifying the the food source like that allows us to do things that we 
otherwise we're not able to do. I don't know if that's any different than irrigation. Like people shouldn't live in Scottsdale, Arizona. It is not a place that's, you know, is friendly to, except maybe where there's a main spring, For which sure. is where they first sprung up. There is not enough life to support human. All of this stuff is just mechanical manipulation of our environment. Uh, even like genetics, everything's mechanical as far as I'm concerned, partly because that's <laughs> what like my education is in and stuff. I, I think of the world in the sense of physics and physical interactions. Everything is. And so, uh, I mean, this my stuff is just really small and, and I'm confusing. still on board with that. Yeah, it's it's just it's <laughs> it's a good mind. It's a good like uh, um, uh, mental framework for thinking about stuff in the world, because uh, in a lot of ways, um, at least in like Newtonian mechanics, which dictate how the world we interact with works. So you can, you can think of almost everything as just stuff moving around and like bumping into each other. Um, right. So it's uh, you're right. Irrigation is a huge manipulation of the environment. And I bet there were people way back in like Mesopotamia who were picketing by the farmers. Like you're fucking up the environment. Don't run your irrigation through my property. Um, like for real, I kind of said that as a joke, but that probably was true. People are been the same for a long time, you know? So uh, I think there's some real concerns to have reasonable concerns with stuff but uh we don't just want to like stop doing science and don't just be afraid of everything just because it sounds scary and you don't know what it is uh or when you think you know what it is don't use that to be a dick either which i do sometimes but other people do too so yeah right just like and well and that's what we're trying to do here yeah is just sort of be like well here's the thing that you that you know because you don't have time or because you don't have the interest that we do like here's just one or two layers deeper on that thing that otherwise sounds scary. Yeah. Like, right. Like that's the GMO. The GMO question is not like, I'm not trying to judge people that are worried onions. I'm not trying to whatever. I just, I thought it was really interesting. Monster. It's like, Oh, they don't have to put a label on for this version. That sounds to me way scarier, (laughs) even though it's probably fine too. What were the two types? Say their names. They both sound horrifying. Mutagenic and transgenic. Mutagenic. I think transgenic, I might be wrong about Whatever. it. They're both scary head. and they both sound like but words. But mutagenic is the one where you deliberately cause <laughs> mutations at a higher rate than would occur. Uh, there's a cool Kickstarter project I saw a while ago that was uh, <laughs> a bunch of scientists who work in labs. I think this is a common thing they do now. You insert a particular gene from like a, a bacteria in the ocean that glows in the dark, um, bioluminescence. Um, and so people use that a lot. Now you put it in all kinds, they, all kinds of scientific studies are done this way. You can inject it into things and you can see stuff. So you can like look under a microscope and be like, Oh, there's the thing that I attach this to. That's now glowing. You can see like how mechanisms work in bodies and in bacteria and plants and animals. And there's a lab that, or a startup that said, Hey, we're going to put this into plants and we are, you can buy them. I think right now you can buy seeds that you can grow and the plant will bioluminesce at night. So you could have like a little plant next to your bed. I don't think it puts out very much light, but enough that you can see it. But their plan as a business is to build like palm trees or Christmas trees that glow enough that we could replace street lights with glowing plants. And so then you're talking like, uh, what's the movie with the blue people that the guy who did the Terminator thing? James Cameron. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're talking about a really neat, that's a, that's a really neat new manipulation of, of our environment like extreme technological understanding to kind of go back to nature, um, which is a really cool place you can go with things like that. So look up the other cool stuff around things like genetic manipulation. Um, 
because there's really neat stuff going on. I feel like that's a good place to end. Sounds great to me. You know, the thing <laughs> is just go go dig a little deeper before you, you know, you jump on the thing you're scared about. Yeah. Right? Like across the board. And and you know, you can go there, start with Wikipedia. It's a reliable source. A great idea. And donate. <laughs> donate to Wikipedia. If everyone and reading donate. this Wikipedia article right now donated three dollars, we could end our campaign right now. Jimmy yeah, Jimmy Wales. That's, that's what it says, right? Something like that. Jimmy Wales. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, Jimmy. But hey, uh, thanks for sticking around for another one. If you got questions, comments, complaints, whatever, Don't hit us on social us. social places. Um, we, we try to answer. Uh, Has anyone ever hit us and, up uh, on our social media accounts? Uh, yeah, I talk to people on Twitter. Oh, hell yeah. Okay, nice. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, rate and review iTunes. Thanks for hanging out for another one. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I'm Adam. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. We had a great time. We really, we, we love your presence and enjoy your company. Cheers. <laughs> oh, it's so touching. What's your name? <laughs> What's my name? Oh, my name's Brian. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and you're welcome. Bow, <laughs> <laughs> 